Welcome to the Thriving Farmer Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Kilpatrick. Our mission is to inspire, educate, and celebrate sustainable farming. We believe that you can build a profitable, sustainable farm that gives you true farm freedom. Join us as we talk to farmers, innovators, educators, and entrepreneurs to glean their top takeaways in business and life. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today my guest is Brian Thomas with uh, Myco Farms, their gourmet mushroom grower in British Columbia. Um, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you very much, Michael. And you were saying just before we got on that actually the pronunciation of the name of your farm is a little bit debated. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know... Um... So we were, I love mycology. I love my, you know, mycelium. So we were looking at breaking down the name and, and this was kind of my own, my own, my own doing. Um, I talked to a, I talked to a mentor of mine about, you know, what was I going to name this business and stuff. And he said, you know, it's always good to keep it into an abbreviation or a small thing. So I looked up uh, a few different names and, and there were some trademark names and, and other names that were, um, that were, were already owned by other people. So I, I came up with Misa. M-Y-C-A, short for mycelios, which is Spanish for mycelium. And then my partner that came on board about a year after I was doing my beta testing and breaking stuff and, you know, contaminating the universe, growing mushrooms, Mm -hmm. learning how to do this. um, He called it Micah. He's like, what's the name? Micah Farms? Micah? So we get customers that come up and say Micah. But then we had some customers from out of town that said Misa, right? And they were actually, they're Spanish, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of turning into this little debate and you know I, i'm kind of curious are we going to rename this farm and our brand name but for now it's kind of mica farms or misa farms and uh we we're we're looking at getting into the food space and the dried mushrooms soon anyway so mm. you know it, it'll be what it is a customer wants to call it now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely yeah yeah well talk to us how did you get started well i was um you know i it's interesting. I've always had a real passion for permaculture. And I, I bought a book years ago called The Market Gardener with Jean Martin. Mm-hmm. And um, I always had this dream of like, you know, living off the land of, of growing beautiful, delicious food. And um, I grew up in, in Ladner, British Columbia, Tawasson, British Columbia. It's out. At, it's like on the west coast of uh, British Columbia. And there's a lot of great farms there, like West of Island Herb Farms. And you know, every year I just, as a kid, you know, going to those mushroom, uh, not mushroom, but uh, going to these farms and just how delicious everything was. And then my grandma on Vancouver Island, she, she's still alive. She's 97. And, you know, she was growing her own food up to, I don't know, a couple of years ago. And so I've had this one side of my family that was all farm to table. The potatoes just tasted exquisite. You know, everything was grown locally, um, you know, fish caught out in, you know, Victoria there. And, and then on the other side of the family, like, uh, God bless my family, but they were like, everything was out of a can. And, you know, like there's all these different, uh, it was like kind of post-World War II, my grandma and grandpa at that point on my dad's side, like, you know, they like two tablespoons to make a pot of coffee. And then it was, you know, Christmas dinner was, you know, can this, can that. And then on the other side of my family was farm table and everything they grew. And, and so I've always just in the back of my mind, just loved it. And I ended up, uh, you know, having quite the story in my life and ended up, um, 
you know, becoming a, a mental health addictions therapist working for the government and youth programs. And I firmly believe like going to, you know, when I went to college and became a counselor and worked with addicts and, and recovering alcoholics and mental health clients that that food was medicine. Mm. You know, I, I realized how much food is medicine. And I've always wanted in the back of my mind to just become a uh, to grow food and, and do it locally and, and teach kids and, and, you know, incorporate it. So what ended up happening is I, I came part of a nonprofit farm society um, while I was working full time as a single father with three kids. Uh, I had no way I had to do the government job, right? Like I had to take it. Like I went to school, got my shingle, was a government employee. And, um, you know, I worked my ass off, you know, doing, you know, uh, after work, I'd go volunteer on a farm and I'd, you know, check it all out. And then, you know, I, I mean, I was doing torch on roofing too, to support my kids. Right. But, mm-hmm. you know, I always just loved the farm vibe and, um, you know, I, I got involved in one and, uh, sadly we learned the hard way, like, you know, whoever's name you put on the lease really got to make sure that person's a deep, like, you know, good person. And, uh, I, I organized volunteers to show up and this guy was not really copacetic to it and kind of chased everybody away and then played the like my name's on this lease and get lost and I had a good friend of mine a, a doctor that I worked with a colleague where we got kind of ousted out of the nonprofit and the guy just kind of hoarded it and started shacking people up on the farm and it it was really sad so I had a bad experience you know I was like thousands of hours out a few thousand dollars out of my pocket and there I was with no farm right mm. So I, I put that back on the back burner, worked with mental health and addictions, and then fentanyl came out in British Columbia and started killing all my clients. So I was just getting burnt right out. And um, I decided to go work on the tugboats. Mm. So getting on the tugs, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a great job, loved it on the water, but then I broke my wrist. So it was like kind of the perfect storm, Mike. It was like, mm. I'm sitting there going, what now? I got to reinvent myself. So I started watching YouTube videos and I was following Curtis Stone um online like you know turn your you know turn your yard into a profitable farm right microgreens and so i started really diving down the rabbit hole and uh, i was going to do a microgreens i was going to start an urban farm uh microgreens and then when i was watching these videos i saw a, a, a mushroom farm on youtube being interviewed by curtis stone and it was brian callow from mm-hmm. summerland they have a mushroom farm called what the fungus and I, I was it, man. I got bit by the bug. Like up until two years ago, man, I had no idea that you could grow gourmet mushrooms out of a bag and yeah. how slow they were and how tasty and crunchy they were. And so I was hooked and that was it, bro. I went there. I, I, I bought, I paid for his training package. I lived in a fifth wheel. I learned how to do it, came home and started breaking and spending money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know? laughs> okay. Well, and uh, hopefully the, uh, the breaking stuff and the spending money actually worked. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it did. It did, man. So, you know, um, the first year, like what I've learned, and if anyone was ever considering getting into urban farming or, or you know, starting a small farm business is I, I just I just sort of had to make, you know, if I could hindsight, it would have been equipment and who's installing it. Like I got um, a few heartbreaking moments, you know, putting in a boiler and we bought a used boiler, but it wasn't that, you know, it was a great boiler. And we built this really big container to cook our substrates and uh, it just, the boiler broke and wasn't properly winterized. So, you know, we went through about $20,000 worth of equipment until mm. we figured it out. Right. So, you know, hindsight being that, but um, you know, now I've, you know, I limped through my first couple of years and uh, now we're in a 5,000 square foot barn. 
we've poxied the floors, we've built all of our rooms, we really know what we're doing. And today we're harvested about I think 300 pounds out of our first room. And mm. now it's just starting the volumes coming, man. I did my first farmer's market in August. And mm. our sorry, and our first farmer's market ever was in uh, at Fort Langley Farmer's Market. And we just, like I said, we've been limping our little crops in there and getting to know the population and a really great reception from the community. And the, I think the coolest thing, man, is that I've met now, you know, three people that all have little permaculture farms. So it's, it's just been a great welcoming into the community in, in Fort Langley and, 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 you know, around the area with, with other farmers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's, that's where we're at. So talk to us a little bit about um, how you guys do the mushroom process. And I think a lot of people do it pretty similar, but I'm sure there's a few things differently that you do. Yeah, you bet, man. So, so what we're doing here is we're using a Canawick hardwood pellet. Um, mm-hmm. There's only one distributor in like literally Canada that, that does have it. It's through the Canadian tire stores. And so we decided we were just going to go with the pellet because it's nice and clean and pellets really nice. And then we're using a soya husk that I buy from the local feed shop. So our mushrooms are just simply soy husk. Um, Sometimes we've used some soy meal, which is a good boost for the mushrooms as well. Mm -hmm. But soy husk, soy meal, hardwoods, uh, hardwood uh, pellets. And then we use oats for our grain spawn. And that's that's it. Those are the ingredients. So talk to us a little bit about what the the hardwood pellets provide. And then what does the soya provide? Well, the soy is going to provide definitely like all of our strains that we grow are wood wood based mushroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't, you know, the, you can get oysters that'll grow on a straw, and and they will use some of the manure. But we are we we've chosen just strictly stick to the one recipe with the masters mix, mm-hmm. and so they're going to provide just different nutrients. The bulk of the nutrients coming from the the wood. The oats are actually one of the main protein sources for the mycelium when you first start your mushroom. Mm-hmm. Then you have to, after that's fully colonized in the oats, you're going to put about a quarter cup of oats to uh, two and a half pounds of wood and about two and a half pounds of soy husk. Now the soy husk is a plant matter and it's a nice protein for the mushroom to eat as well as the wood's going to give the mycelium another uh, little bit more nutrients. But because we do have more of a cooked, um, it, they, you know, all the pellets that we do get have been pasteurized already. So the mushrooms will be, you know, relying mostly on the soy, the soy meal, and oats for their nutrition to, to build a really healthy um, uh, fungi, a mycelium body. So like the fungi, the fungi body, um, it, it really requires that. And the wood's really good for the structure, but I do use uh, the lion's mane strictly with um, a little bit of oats, but mainly hard wood. So the mushrooms, um, you know, in nature, it can take a lot of time. Like if you grow in the logs, that's why they always tell you soak your logs, you know, soak mm-hmm. your logs for a long time to soften up that wood. So we're kind of cheating with our hardwood. We're, we're, we're mulching it up. We're making it really nice and malleable. So the mycelium can travel through it really fast and eat the, and eat them, the, uh, you know, the proteins and the, and the, and the, the waste product really, really easily. Right. So, okay. So you started the, um, you started the business. You've spent a lot of money on getting things figured out. You started the farmer's market and you said, August, talk to us through like, what have you learned in your last couple months of, of being at markets? Well, uh, so we came in to our first market. It was kind of a random fluke. We had about 50 pounds of mushrooms and I found around and um, there was a lot of guys in the lower mainland that have already got markets, you know, mushrooms at the, at the farmer's market, but we found one pretty quick and it happens to be right down the street from our farm. So we do a Saturday farmer's market in Fort Langley. 
Um, so I, I found it was a good reception. Um, the vet, other vendors were just great. And, uh, you know, it was, it was the reception that we found from the local, the local, you know, microfiles, you know, the people that were like, oh my God, I've never seen mushrooms like this. Um, you know, for the first few months, all we've done is the first few months, man, I'll tell you, it probably took about 10, 10 minutes to make a pitch on how to cook lion's mane before someone bought it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, you know, if mm-hmm. I had a dollar for everyone that walked by and like stared three times at the lion's mane, you know, if you go to our, if you go to our Instagram page, that's the one I've sort of put energy into right now. You'll see some of our setups at the market where we bring fruiting body bags. So we'll bring fruit bags down to the stands. And what I found is it's really important to have information for my customers. How do you cook it? How do you prepare it? Because so many people have never seen mushrooms like this. You know, mm-hmm. um, as well as like we're right beside a guy that's selling mushroom coffee and mushroom tea, mm. and he's selling like the functional mushrooms like reishi, cordyceps, uh, all sorts of turkey tail, things like that. And um, so, you know, we were recepted really well. Um, I have some diehard fans already uh, that come every rain or shine. They're there on the Saturday. And it's not a really busy market um, at the Fort Langley. It's not like the urban city ones. But we like it and, and it was a good reception. So, you know, I've been quite enjoying it. You know, the setups, uh, it gets a little bit with the setup and stuff, but we did, we kind of went out of our way with grow bags and, and to really set up a great display. And I'm really, you know, I, I think that's just such an important part to, you know, having success in the, in the farmer's stand is, is that really a little bit of effort with like, we have some cool crates, we prop mm-hmm. up the grow bags, we have information handy. I even brought a, a cutting board and a knife to just show people how to cut lion's mane, how to cook lion's mane. And then we had some customers that started playing with it and like barbecuing it and doing all sorts of, you know, fun stuff with it. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's been, it was, it was, it's a really good reception. Um, I did find that there's a, a few people and this is new to my world is that there's a, there's a few people that broker products at farmer's markets that don't have a farm. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, there's still quite a few people that kind of, you know, they're, they're just sort of standing at a table. They got some stuff and you look at it like, Oh, okay, where'd you get that? Oh, I just, you know, they're just middlemanning things. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I know in British Columbia, they've started um, actually kind of making it like you own the farm. It's your labor. This is your, you know, blood, sweat and tears. You get priority on those tables. And so that's yeah. pretty cool that they've been doing that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So talk us through, you know, lion's mane. We do a lot of lion's mane here actually at our farm. Um, it's probably our favorite mushroom to grow. Um, oh, right on. Yeah. Give me, have you taken that 10 minute pitch and kind of, uh, can, you know, made it a little bit more manageable or you still typically take a long time to explain that? Um, well, what we're doing is just, I'll have a, I'll have a piece in my hand. Right. Mm-hmm. And typically I'll just have my, that's why I brought my little cutting board. And so when a customer, you know, is walking by and I just see them glance two, three, four times at the lines being going, what is that? Yeah. And, you know, it looks like cauliflower. Right. Mm-hmm, um, and I'll mm-hmm. just, I'll just gently bring them in. And, and one of the ways I've condensed it now is we're posted a sign that like, so now on the pole at the farmer's market, there's a little, I, I had a really nice sign printed up with directions of, you know, how we grow and what you can do with lion's mane. And mm-hmm. so what we're doing is I'll just sit there and I'll do a little cutting demonstration and I like to cut it into the medallions and, I, and a lot of people, they're like, oh, right on. And then I recommend them to websites and, and, and it's, and it's really streamlining now. And I think the, the word's getting out big time. Like we're having people now that just show up, they throw me money and grab their mushrooms, go home, mm-hmm. you know? And um, that's, that's, I think that's just the, you know, the time it's taken over uh, consistent sales and, and building relationship with the customer. And, 
but I've condensed it down quite a bit. And typically I just, I just, I found that when you start doing sort of a demonstration, you'll gather a crowd, no matter yeah. what you're doing. Like if you're sitting there, if I, like when a kid walks by, I'll grab the, I'll grab the, the fruiting block and I'll have this crazy, you know, pink oyster coming out of it. And I'll be like, check it out. And the kid's looking at it. You'll get three or four other customers that'll, that'll catch their eye and they come over. And I always end up with a little crowd at my stand when I start playing with lion's mane or playing with a fruit block. Mm-hmm. And, and I treated it one day, I did it like a vegan butcher shop. So I had all my fruit blocks up on the, on the back table. And I was like, yeah. what would you like? How many pounds do you want? And I was just plucking it right off the fruit bag yeah. and weighing it and giving it to them. And so it was like, just kind of that kind of gameplay with it and, and having fun with it. So, you know, that's, that's how we're getting our fan base. So now I'm, we're at a place now, buddy, where we're like, I've got more orders than I have mushrooms now. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's okay. starting to explode. But at the beginning, there was a bit of a slog to get people interested. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something I think for anyone starting out, you got to push past it. And I just, you know, like I, you know, I've, I've, I think with some of my life skills, like when I worked on the downtown core of Vancouver's, you know, opioid pandemic epidemic, if I can talk, you know, for me, I, for me, sales are easy. Like I don't get burnt out. Right. Um, yeah. I've, I've got this longevity. So for anyone that's new to sales or new to engaging customers, don't give up, man. It'll, it'll take some time. You, you give yourself a month or two. Don't get discouraged and just keep your head up and keep, keep talking to those customers because what will happen is that they just, you're going to get the ones that love mushrooms and they're going to find you. Mm-hmm. It's like for, for me with my college and I'm a newbie and I'm new at the whole thing, but I just didn't stop. You know, like if, like if I can convince a heroin addict to give up heroin and go to rehab today, I think I can convince someone how to cook a mushroom. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know? yeah, so, yeah. So I have a serious transferable skill set. So with some people, like I've had people at the markets that have been vendors there for years and they've come up and been like, holy, like we're making the most money at the market right now, mm-hmm. you know, and we're a small market, but what's happening is we're getting, I'm building that community, that fan base. And so we're going to start our first school tours as well. And this is another thing I suggest to anybody, invite the school kids, like get those kids to the farm, get the parents to the farm, you know, bring them out, bring them into the, into our little cool world, because we got a really cool, you know, thing going on. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and when, you know, we're going to do a a big workbench thing, we're going to have the kids, you know, sit there and make a bag, you know, come to the farm that day in a big cold frame and there'll be benches and they can mix up their soy husk and their hardwood. And, and then they can put it in a little three pound bag. Like we'll give them a three pound bag. They can pack it down, fold the bag, put their name on it. And then I'm going to fire it up in our, our substrate steamers and uh, we'll colonize it and bring it back to the school, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, so giving them that sense. So I've been doing a lot of work um, with some of the local, uh, local pack uh, parents and stuff now mm-hmm. that school mm-hmm. started. So I just got a message today. There's a woman that wants to buy, bring six kids here next week. And, you know, being that we're a gourmet mushroom farm in our, we don't have like, you know, high CO2 buildup. We have good ventilation. Our, our water that we, that comes out of here is a wash water. It's not any fecal mm-hmm. content in it. So we got a real good thumbs up from the inspectors as well. But yeah, you know, getting over the hump has been the hardest part. Like we we're getting to that place where we're scaling. And if anyone's ever getting into this business, if you want to make it successful, what I've learned is that I had to have cash flow and not mm. big cash flow. I mean, sorry, I had to have reserves. Mm-hmm. Like I've had to borrow mm-hmm. money to get to where we are. Mm-hmm. There's no way I could have just, you know, grown a little bit. Or if you started on your own, I know some people have done that and my hat's off to them. 
um, that have done like a small grow, build it, build it, build it. But I've got three kids and, you know, I've got a lot going on in my life. Mm -hmm. So for me, we had to scale. I got to scale it to size so I can pay my bills, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you got yeah. to sell a certain amount of mushrooms to yeah. actually get enough profit per pound to actually start yeah. making that kind of money. Yeah. 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 And I mean, and and I'll tell you the truth, Brent, we're, we're one hour from downtown Vancouver, British Columbia. Ah, we so have, there's massive potential. I've got huge market. And so that's one of the things too, like if you're, if anyone's getting into this, always look at your market. Like I said to you, I, I can't even, I've done some promo and here's where my mistakes come out. Like I started promoting more than I was growing at the beginning. Um, because I was like, okay, well, I got to sell these things. So I'd get anxious and I go sell everything, but then they'd be like, oh, these are, these are amazing. Can, do you have another yeah. 50 pounds? And I'd be like, uh, no, <laughs> you know, so yeah. like back in the lab. So if, in hindsight, I tell you, Mike, I'd say in hindsight, I would just say focus on growing surplus. And if you have surplus, don't stress selling it. Just who cares? Eat it, dry it, whatever you're doing. So I started drying a lot of lion's mane. And you know, what's funny is I sold two pounds of dried lion's mane for $120 a pound the other day at the market. You know, people, and and because and, a lot of people come by and they're like, oh, I take those for tinctures. Oh, I take those in my coffee. Oh, I take yeah. those in my, my natural food store. And I said, well, hey, fresh is best. And guess what? Like, I've got a whole pound of it here. Oh, and they're like, oh, can I rehydrate that and put it in soup? And I'm like, you sure can, you yeah. know, put it in your blender and stick it in a stew, stick it in, and you're going to get the nutritional value of the lion's mane. So I have a piece of paper that does print that out now. And it shows you like, if you buy, um, even with like Paul Stammen's book, he's got the, the breakdown of all the, um, all the, you know, medicinal and, uh, you know, food qualities where lion's mane is known to have 20 grams of protein to a hundred grams of, of mushroom. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the other big sellers. Like I was, I was selling my dried stuff to an MMA fighter, uh, not long ago who just loves it he he takes lines made for post recovery after he's had his head mm -hmm. beaten up a bit right so he's he's he sought it out and he likes it so yeah so it's kind of interesting but yeah man it's, it's getting over the hump so for my scaling and my size i've had to you know dig into some finances and pay my bills but if i was just you know no kids in a small grower it'd be easy to start up a one roomer you know get one room going make your little get a bubble barrel get your you know just get your tools you can even buy grain spawn for really cheap in vancouver mm. like you can just buy the grain spawn and grow them yourself like so if you built a grow room you could just go to town on it and then as long as you had a little bit of a market you're you're good to go mm -hmm. yeah you know i just want to remind folks because we're talking all things mushrooms last year not last i forget we did a mushroom summit we had 30 speakers if you go to farmsummits.com you can go listen to all the recordings of that so just a quick announcement on that because i know this is getting me fired up and back about mushrooms um yes. and growing more of them but i just want to make that we i think we had uh I think it was like 30 plus presentations from farmers all around the world that are doing mushrooms, all different types, UK, US, um, I think some from Asia. Um, so yeah, talk to us about the business side of, of, of the farm, because obviously business is the challenging side, getting that going. Um, yeah, share a bit about that. Yeah, yeah, man, for sure. Okay, so like I said, being a local BC boy, you know, having my own... Like literally, I, was, I lived in a jam space like downtown Vancouver from like 16 on. And I worked at two restaurants and I've always seen the hustle in restaurants and what it's like. So um, for me, I'll, I'll tell you, man, like I know a lot of people in the city. So um, I had a guy actually come all the way from Tennessee when he was up here 
at, at the farmer's market. And, and another a gift of these farmer's markets, man, is PR, PR, PR. So in the mm-hmm. business side, I don't look, I don't really care how much I sell that day. I've made like this card from that guy, that, that connection from this person. And that's, that's actually blossoming more like one acorn of knowledge can create a forest. Right. And, and, you know, that one person I met who, who runs three major restaurants downtown. And the biggest thing this one guy told me from the States, he's like, Hey man, I love what you're doing. These are brilliant, you know, and, and, and like, keep on doing it. These mushrooms are gorgeous. And, uh, he just said, get some chefs on board. Mm-hmm. And once you get some chefs involved and, and it makes all the sense in the world, because a, a dear friend of mine, he's a maitre d' at two of Vancouver's finest restaurants. Now here's the thing. I can't even walk up and talk to them yet because I don't have the volume. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so um, where I found it's, it's just managing that whole startup. I, I like the entrepreneur anxiety. Cause I went from like government employee right to, bam, I've got a mushroom farm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh-huh. yeah. people look at me like, what the hell are you doing anyways? Like they had, you know, going from addictions, clinical counselor to tugboats to like, oh, I'm going to start a mushroom farm. People are just like, you are random, you know? So the beauty of it is that I love the chef things and I, I, I love talking to people and I love making new customers. I, I'll tell you, I did a cold sale. I, so I was doing a, uh, I was doing a, a beta testing uh, mushroom farm for this other company they didn't get into it though. They didn't want to put more money into infrastructure and uh, a walk-in freezer and stuff. So they, they put some money in, they got some racks, they made some grow rooms, but they didn't like the markup on the bags and they didn't want to, you know, so it's kind of an interesting deal. But I remember we had about, I don't know, we must have 40 pounds of beautiful mother of pearl and, and the rooms were kind of warmer and a little more CO2 buildup. So they stretched really nice. You know what I mean? When you see your mushroom stretching. So I had these gorgeous mother of pearls in a, mm-hmm. in a, I put them in a bucket and I walked into the pub two feet away from the, uh, the indoor commercial grow, like where the, where the, where the warehouse was, where they were growing mushrooms. And, um, and the, I, I, I met the owner right there and the staff. And next thing you know, the next day I was in there showing their chef how to cook an oyster mushroom burger with our mushrooms. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're our first customer and they're going to be our customer till they forever, you know, like it's one of those customers. Like, so I just cold, I just cold sold them. I walked into mm-hmm. a restaurant with the mushrooms and said, hi, here, check them out. And the chef, at first, the owners like saw the price, you know, $12 a pound. They're like, Ooh, wow. What? You know? And then they'll show me the, you know, the, the GMO yeah. and the, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. you know, the Franken mushrooms, right. They'll, they'll show me the Franken mushrooms and they'll be like, well, we get these for $8 a, a medley. Right. And I'm like, okay, well this, I know where that came from. I know where that came from. I know where that came from. And, and the growth hormones that they're using in the commercial mushrooms, I want nothing to do with it, right? They, yeah. That's really what they're doing. And so I, I showed the chef ours that were like, you know what I mean? Well, it's like that, that little pop, that crunch and the texture. And these are like wild cultures from BC. They sporulate, you know, they're just a natural mushroom. And the chef's like, no, I'm keeping these, <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's like, I'm, these are mine. You can leave these here. And the owner's like, oh, okay. And, and, you know, I just talked to the same owner the other day. He's got three Italian restaurants and they, they put our mushrooms on as an appetizer dish, as a plant-based, uh-huh. right? And so, you know, Chef Adam at Nello's in British Columbia, that guy, I mean, just awesome guy, young chef, but he knows his quality. And that's yeah. the thing is that what I would tell anybody getting into this market, we're selling value. We're not selling, you know, we're, we're selling value, you know, like it takes a lot to make these mushrooms. It's hardwood. It's, you know, it's hardwood substrate. It's, our cost is not dirt cheap, 
you know, and, and I don't know if you know this, but Vancouver, BC, like the Fraser Valley here, we over, we have over a hundred commercial mushroom farms here. We're like the mushroom cradle and everywhere you go right now, you could throw a stick and hit a mushroom farm in Fraser Valley. Right. But those guys really don't care about us. They're cool. They're like, we don't care about yellow oysters. They're growing, they're growing buttons and creminis and, uh, and, and they're doing um, the, whatchamacallit, the portobello. And hmm. they, you know, they also, they're also uh, on the, on a side note, um, we got our water inspection. As soon as the, you know, city of, the city of Langley saw a mushroom farm, they're like, oh, you know, and this is something else for startups too, man, is, is, um, is, you know, the business models, like we had to make sure that we had, you know, cash flow in the bank. We had to make sure we had all of our ducks in order because uh, as soon as the city saw a mushroom farm, doesn't matter what kind of mushroom farm they're at your door like we need to test your water mm-hmm. right so right away they wanted to test our wastewater because just down the street from us is where there was uh, i think three staff died at a mushroom farm because the mushroom farm was built long ago and these guys have been cowboy dumping all their their wastewater that are using the manure substrates out here in, in bc so the the inspector and the engineer that came to see us they loved us man they're like no nah, your wash water whatever you can just blow it you're you're our water just goes out into the field. No big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or it goes back into the, you know, we're not, we're not contaminating the earth or the soil. Um, all these other commercial mushroom farms, uh, I won't name any obviously, but all these big commercial mushroom farms, they're, they're paying their monthly fines and just continuing on. They're not even cleaning up their environment. Right. Mm-hmm. So the city of the city of Langley is getting really upset with them and, you know, they're not going to, you know, they got to invest a ton of, of money into infrastructure to capture the wastewater so they don't destroy all the streams around them. Because that's what's happening is they're finding major uh, fecal content in the local streams mm-hmm. and ditches. So it's just, you know, it's just a bad rap for mushrooms. And it's something that most people don't say, but they've, like I said, they've been cowboying it all for a long time. No one's even kind of come yeah, down on it. So, you know, so it's another pro of being this smaller farm to table thing like we're and and i just love that fact that we're doing something that's you know we're not you know we if we had the wastewater we'd have to capture it and i hope those businesses do that because it's about accountability and responsibility and um you know it's something else that we're grateful as a business that we don't have to face and so you know with 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 the other part of it is like we've got our bookkeeper um setting up and and you know just counting our ducks you know counting our ducks as we go right yeah, uh, that's kind of how it goes. And I think if if someone was to go like buy a bunch of fruit bags off me today, go home and fruit them out and sell it at a premium price to neighbors, restaurants, all that stuff, you could make a bit of money every week. Like you really could. If you can grow 50 pounds and your cost is, you know, five bucks a pound Canadian from us um, for buying, doing all the fruit blocks, then, you know, you can go ahead and retail that at 17 right Uh uh so there's a bit of there's a good markup for it and uh, and there's one gentleman that keeps coming to the mushroom farm uh you know at the at the farm stand and he's kicking tires and he's interested and 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 so there's another guy out out here in vancouver who's growing lion's mane specifically and he's trying to do he's trying to hit the big marks like he got a huge farm going um he's got some doctors on board and they're doing a whole bunch of functional mushroom stuff like turkey tail and lion's mane mm. and his model is you know he wants to be a juggernaut like he wants to literally the 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 food brokers want a thousand pounds from him a week of lion's mane and it's all going to a pharmaceutical company yes for for supplements and that's a huge model i mean but he's got probably a quarter million i'd say half a million now invested wow 
so so it's it's like we're we're Vancouver's like the, for some reason I, I I didn't know about this, but now I do. I've had a, like the crash course in the model in the business industry around the mushroom. But you know, some of these guys are going big, and um, obviously we had. Uh, you know you guys are all familiar I, I don't know if you listeners know like in vancouver we had the big mushroom boom again like everyone thought psilocybin was going to be like the next big cash cow so yeah. for the last two years there's been all these farms popping up with mushroom farms um all clandestine of course i couldn't even buy a laminar flow hood man it was impossible but now that the market crashed on psilocybin i've got all the gear i could like oh yeah pennies on the pound part of my language but yeah you know, pennies on the pound i i looked at an autoclave this guy bought that's literally been brought up from the states and you could park a car in it you know i make a commercial clave man and like a four of what was it a 40 something horsepower boiler like this wow. we're talking juggernaut you'd put this thing inside like a a thirty thousand square foot mushroom farm you know like we you want to do two thousand bags of grain at once well i got your machine right and yeah. so he wanted to sell it. And I looked at him like, man, maybe in five years, I hope, Mike, I don't know. <laughs> you know? <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it's just crazy now, you know, you can find equipment everywhere. And, and there's all these people that went into the big shroom boom. And, you know, I've had people approach me about it. Like, you know, when you tell people you're going mushrooms, everyone's like, oh, psilocybin. I'm like, no, just straight up lion's mane and good, delicious food. Right. So it's, uh, you know, it's fun to just stick to the stick to the plan, right? And that's you know, our business models just stay true to the plan. I want to see little kids' faces when they come through on a farm tour. You know, I'm a family guy. I got three boys. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just what I love to do. And and my dream, my dream is to just be self-employed growing mushrooms. If I can do that, man, I uh, I will die happy. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. it. You know, yeah. So one of the pictures I see on your, 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 uh, page is it looks like, um, uh, grilled, uh, lion's mane. Is that what I'm looking at? Yes. Yes, you are. That is a customer. It's a, it's a Maui, it's like a Maui rib marinade okay. of lion's mane. Yes. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah. So like, that's kind of the fun we've been having for sure. And, um, those are customers foods. Like another thing I always encourage is if anyone like, my customers send me pictures and it goes up on my Facebook. Mm-hmm. Right. And, 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 and that's, and that's just, I love that stuff, the interaction, but you know, the thing is too, is that I've been, um, I've been really so busy trying to balance growing mushrooms, doing the business side and making sales that I've diluted myself a little bit, man. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so the website is still pretty beta. The Facebook page just gets updated a little bit, the, the Instagram a little bit. So what we've done is my partner, Tim came on board and that was it. Like if, if you guys are scaling or anyone that wants to scale out there, man, if you get a partner, make it a working partner. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried to do one with money where they just wanted me to build the grow and then do that kind of thing. And I was like, no, nah, you need to, you, you need staff, man. Every like farming. That's why the psilocybin industry like took a big crap because for one, everyone did it. And then everybody had like to hire staff and they're like, Oh, what do you mean you have to hire staff? And so, you know, it's like, that's just that's just it's like what do you mean what do you mean right like you know so so you know we've had some chuckles about that out here in vancouver a little bit me and some other growers but um you know we we found a good i found a good team because what i've learned is i you know i work in my business but i actually want to be working on my business right Mm, so my role my role now man is shifting into like I'm, I'm, I'm on top of the cultures. I love, I'm a lab rat. I found that I really like lab, 
You know, mm-hmm. I like doing my cultures. I like doing the grains, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'll do bags all day if I have to. I'll, I'll colonize bags. But my partner, Tim, he's doing the tech. Now, my, my buddy, Tim, like I've known for like 25 years, he's got a roofing company. Um, he's brilliant with numbers. So when he was watching me struggle, I was actually hiring him to like cover up a, a piece of the old farm uh, out, you know, for working space outside. And he came in and I started talking to him and he's watched me kind of, he was watching me struggle and break equipment and go through my growing pains. And mm-hmm. uh, my, my first partner bailed out and he had too much going on in his life and he couldn't, he couldn't commit to the time. And that's the whole thing. It's like, whether I'm making a sub sandwich or, you know, selling cars, I got to put the time into the business hundred percent. Right. And, and so having a partner, Tim come on board, he's doing tech. So he's a good builder. He's watching the farm. Like he's putting in the, the humidification systems. We had a high pressure system. Then we switched back to the atomizer plates. So we've been playing around with it and getting our, you know, getting all of our, our stuff done. But my job now is phone calls. I've been dealing with the guy installing the fridge. I've been dealing mm-hmm. with the, uh, the, the landlord, the lease, all that kind of stuff. So we sort of divided and conquered on, on our roles in the business. And we talk about that really clearly what our roles are. You know, he doesn't come in and do lab work because, you know, he's got to put all of his energy into something else, right? Mm. And so, you know, if anyone's starting up, the minute you want to expand, you're going to need staff. You're just going to have to. And that's where I like the idea of like profit sharing and, and crop sharing. And, and I'm hoping pretty soon that I have a little mycology. Like I'm, I'm going over to the local uh, botany program at the University of Fraser Valley um pretty soon like i want to get over there and post an ad for anyone that's in the mycology courses there you know and i think that's a Mm. great place to start finding it uh people to work on your farm or work on my farm Uh, if i can find a kid that wants to go in there and you know he's he's taking his course and he wants lab time and he wants to get involved like that i'll make that kid rich you know (laughs) you know what i mean like i'm like like like, i want to pay people well um i don't know i can't remember the name but you know, for business models, when I was doing my research in farming, I, I came across this guy that had a micro, when I was looking at micro, micro uh, greens, there's a, there's a guy in the States and he had four employees and they're all close friends of his. He was pulling in 450,000 US gross revenue on a micro greens business. Mm. And he said his secret was, is that he did the admin, the business and, and ran that model, like the website and all that sort of stuff. But then he had three really close friends that he pays very well, splits the profit and they're a successful business, mm-hmm. right? And that's where I think as a company, we want employees that are like dedicated, paid very well. And, and, and you know, there'll be those people that just show up and like, oh, I, you know, they do that extra bit of work for the farm. They do that extra bit of work to get, you know, just to finish that order of 50 girl bags or whatever it needs, right? Because I, I, I can't do... Uh, you know, the local fast food employee thing. I just can't do it. Right. It's yeah. We've had, we've had some young bucks come out and young and younger people come out. And I had a couple of people come out that were just looking for a couple of bucks and it's okay. But I just found that there are more work than they were to putting it. Like it's, you're training people constantly over training. You're always training somebody, you know, as opposed to like, I'm going to pay a bit more cash out of my pocket. Cause that's going to put in more revenue to our business at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I'm paying him more money, but he's going to make me more money at the end of the day. Right. So that's kind of where we're going but with it. It's quality over quantity, but it's also yeah. getting people that are in, in, invested in the business versus someone that just goes home at the end of the day. And, you know, that's frankly, yes. you know, we've got some great team, but we are looking at the fact that we were looking for a head uh, farmer or a head grower. 
And, right. um, you know, if anyone's looking at that, we are actually hiring for that right now. There you go. Um, Plug your business. Yes. <laughs> yes. Going? Yeah. Where are you located, Mike? Where we're, are you we're, Yeah, we're in Southwest Ohio. Um, so, I mean, we have a million people within 45 minutes of us. And and again, I'm sure there's someone out there, even locally, we probably could find, but again, being the, and I I will admit right up front that I'm not easy to work for. (laughs) So, um, yeah, the team tells me that, and I admit that. Um, but, um, you know, I think the right person, we're definitely willing to give equity if they are willing to, you know, if they're willing to come on and literally do the production side of this business and free me up to really do the, the marketing and, um, management. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, but it's cause I mean, yeah, we're on a, our, our business is on a a pretty fast trajectory and to succeed, go where we want to go. Um, we just need more people who are willing to invest a couple of years of their lives. And again, I'm not, uh, I'm not, are we have great people working for us yeah the business isn't their sole thing they've got kids they got families they've got other lives and um, you know we're the ones that are you know 365 24 7 invested in the business um so again you know if if you come at that level of involvement again i'm not looking for that with the person we're looking to hire but you know i guess what i'm saying is we're looking for someone who's willing to invest for a while um, and really, you know, take that level of ownership, that next level yeah. of ownership, like, okay, you know what, we didn't quite get stuff done today. So I'm going to stay for a couple more hours, or, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to be there on a Sunday afternoon if we know we've got to do something. So um, yeah. And again, I'm, with our current team, we have fabulous team, but yeah. there is that other level of once you become, let's say an equity owner, you become a partial, you and you're invested in the business, there's that other level of, um, of involvement you start to take or you should take. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Totally. I mean, I, I mean, you, you, you're nailing it there with, with what we got to do and, and uh, you know, getting people involved in what we're doing. Cause we're, um, we're actually, uh, I mean, one of the things I want to plug out for our business as well is if anyone's interested, I, uh, we're just acquiring a gorgeous farmhouse that I'm going to completely Airbnb out in the next month, mm. uh, right on, uh, you know, Mesa farms property. So you can come here, uh, I'll do the same kind of, I was going to do sort of the same, uh, you know, training that Brian Callow did with what the fungus up in Summerland, but we're 40 minutes from downtown Vancouver. So mm. if someone comes up from the States, they're in Vancouver, you know, like you can, and then there's Fort Langley, like super historical place. You can, we're going to have electric bikes and then you can either a sign up for the mycology course or B just stay at our Airbnb and just, I want to get personal farm to table chefs there, like all kinds of cool stuff. And um, that's the best part, I think, about this community, man, is Mike, you can monetize every part of your business. I can literally get into cultures and selling cultures all day, or I could get into selling grow bags all day, or I could Mm -hmm. get in, you know what I mean? It just never ends. And it's finding the right time, like you said. And and, uh, yeah, I hear you. You want to hire that manager. If you can find that manager, that's kind of what we're sniping for too, right? Because- um, because a, a lot of my a lot of my clinical background as well falls into what we're doing because I I worked with first responders and nurses and I've seen the burnout man in the in the healthcare system I mean you guys in the states know just the same thing and the fentanyl and the and the opioid crisis and all the crap that's yeah. happening in our society and um, I, I I'm actually gearing up this house so I could take someone who like an ambulance driver or a nurse or a, you know a G, a, like a physician whatever someone who's experiencing the heavy burnout of witnessing so much death. They could come stay at our farm and just, you know, unwind, man. Like we're going to have a, a healing space. Like we're going to have sound baths, a yoga studio. Like we're going to make it like a real holistic retreat. And part of that main part of the medicine is what you're putting in your body. 
what kind of food are you eating? I've been a junkie, man. Like I have, I've been a heroin addict. I've been a crack cocaine addict, you know, in 1999, like 95 to 99, man, it was brutal. I've had Mm. the worst addictions ever. And, and what helps me now food is my medicine, Mm. you know, by far that, and, and I've actually done, um, you know, I, I worked alongside Gabor Mate uh, down in the downtown east side, like up in, well, the Surrey's east side. And we had clients that were going to do his ayahuasca retreats and coming back after having like a major spiritual experience and helping reset their nervous system. But the, the, the next step to that is integration and food, mm. right? So to have someone come and stay at our Airbnb and do like an exclusive and we outsource the counseling and the clinical counseling part so they can do therapy here, rest. And if they want to learn some mycology, cool, come work a couple of days at the farm, come check it out. But we're trying to, I'm trying to encompass all of my life experiences into this business. And I think anyone else that gets into farming, like you can get, you can do all sorts of stuff, man. I don't know what your property is or what you got, but we, I mean, if you have property, you can do all kinds of training classes, fun stuff, cooking courses, you know, you name it. If you want to do it, you do it. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's what I think I love about, you know, being an entrepreneur and, and getting into farming. You know, it's, yeah. it's hard ass, it's hard ass work, man. There is no stopping. I'm not going to, you can't candy coat it. I mean, I, I talked to what the fungus this year and I know Brian, like, you know, he, he's, he's out there, man. And he's making a thousand bags himself some days. Right. And that's just yeah. the way it goes. It's just the way it goes, you know, and, and can you do it? Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Nelson carrot, Satakoi melon, Buffalo tomatoes, Megatron leek. What do all these varieties have in common? Well, they're all dinosaurs or varieties that were dropped by the trade for one reason or another. So what do smart growers do? Well, if they can, they buy a bunch of seed before it goes out of stock and freeze it while they scramble to find new varieties that are going to work better. But the problem is that eventually seed vitality goes down and the seed is no longer good. Is there anything you can do to revive the seeds? Well, introducing Ultra, an organic seed treatment, or as I like to say, a seed defibrillator. To back up a bit, we were able to get 20 kernels of what we now call Gill's Select, a rare Indian corn variety from Gill's Sweet Corn Farm in the Hudson Valley. We grew it out, distributed it to a number of farmers, and then life happened. About a decade later, I found the seed at the bottom of our freezer, and we took most of the seeds and tried to germinate them in a greenhouse. Only a few came up. Not enough to have good genetic diversity. Last year, with only a few handfuls left and a Hail Mary attempt, I soaked them with Ultra for 24 hours, then struck them into some trays and popped them into our germ chamber. 72 hours later, we started seeing shoots, and this year, even with an eight-week drought, we had a wonderful yield of corn. We sold some and kept back most of it for future seed stock. I'm confident that we wouldn't have been able to continue this lost variety without Ultra. Here's the best news yet. AgriGrow has agreed to offer a 10% discount to all thriving farmer listeners. Simply use the coupon code THRIVE when you check out. Again, that is T-H-R-I-V-E for a 10% off discount on your first order. Go to smallfarm.solutions for more information. What would you say to that person who's just uh, getting started? Oh, man. I, you know, someone who's just getting started, what I would say, like, I, I just, yeah, like, don't quit, man. If you love mushrooms or you love growing or you're, you're into like making, uh, you know, the best carrots on the planet, man, like we need you. I need you. Right. Like don't quit. Like it's from the heart. And that's the best part about all this, you know, is this shit's from the heart. This is my passion. And it's a chance for me to express myself into this world. And I'm at next level stuff with it, man. Like I, I, 
I see these farmers that I know, and this one guy, you know, he's got a totally, you know, he's got the lease on this land and it's like all these berry bushes and he just lets the grass grow and he just lets everything that mother nature do itself. It's like, it's like watching that, you know, some of those farm movies and, you know, but I'm meeting these people heart, you know, heart and soul and he's foraging, he's out there and he's making his niche because he believes in the good food he's doing. So, you know, just starting out, if you're really passionate, you'll be, you'll be okay. Well, you, you'll be rocking. Um, I think that, I think that the thing about uh, what, what separates, you know, our farmers and, and, and what, what I've learned, like, cause I've always had this thing in the back of my mind about it is uh, it's just, it's about, it's just putting the heart into it. So I, I would just say, if you're brand new starting out, put your heart into this and don't be afraid to make mistakes, man. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, don't get discouraged when some shit dies on you or, you know, like, you know, I've thrown out 50 bags of green grain, you know, and I'm like, yeah, all right. You know, back to the drawing board, cleaning my lab more. And my first farm was, I paid 500 a month and it was dirty as hell. Like I had to clean it up and gut it. And these mm-hmm. have unlicensed chicken fights apparently in the old farm. We went oh, into wow. the barn. I'm like, there's a stage. And I'm like, what the hell's on the walls? And like, I was like, did you guys have a band in here? And I guess the owner was like, no, we had to kick these guys out. They were having illegal cockfights. Man. <laughs> so- yeah, so like the shit, the stuff you come across just makes cracks me up, right? I'm just like, okay. So yeah, we literally had to gut this barn out. Like it was disgusting, and it was a few days, like a few. I'm sorry, a couple months, and and I would always just tell someone like that what I've learned from some of my mentors and what I've heard over and over again in books that I've read is uh, the tortoise wins the race, man. You know, mm. the tortoise in the hair. If you can do what the tortoise does and 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 take your time and enjoy the journey, then you'll be okay. You know, no matter what business you start, farming or whatever. But yeah, if you're just getting out farming, like have fun and and yeah, I mean, if you can make the leap to a full time thing, it's it's not easy. And I've listened to some stories and I've heard other farmers really put their put it out there, man. Like you, you, you know, like I'm I'm six months out of this and we're just starting to see some revenue, you know. And that's 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 God said. But I I get up every day and I show up, man. There's no days off, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Not right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, there's always stages to that business. And that's one of the things we teach in our small farm university is yeah. that there's five distinct stages. You got that dreamer stage, which it sounds like you went through when you're just trying to figure it out. Yeah. You got that st- beginner stage um, where you're going through things and you've got that traction stage, which is where I think you're probably in right now where you're, it's working, it's happening. You're still, you know, clawing for every dollar there, but it sounds like you've got the marketing side going. And now you're at that scaling aspect now to just do it. Then you've got yeah. that thrive stage, which we'll get to where everything just like works, you get the team in place, the people in place. Um, and then finally, you're going to get yourself into that mentor stage, we feel like, which is to me is the best stage to be in where you can share that knowledge with other people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm just checking out your site right here with the thriving. I think I signed up for the thriving market. I think I signed up for this thriving yep. farmer. That's how I found you, dude. And oh, it's funny because cool. I was so freaking busy. I, <laughs> I yeah, even, I'm like, I've been so busy building and getting this done. Like, because uh, the Trad Cotter one, I, 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 yeah. I love that guy. You know, his book's great. I, I yeah. love his book. You know, and um, like some of the legends are on here for sure that really inspired me along the way. And yeah. uh, are you guys going to do that mushroom festival that next year? Like, I wanted to go, but I couldn't make it this year because I've been so busy. But I guess it's in in August. There's a mushroom festival in Colorado or something. Oh, yeah, we have it. Now there's also a mushroom festival in Pennsylvania. Okay, maybe that, that was it. 
that um gosh a William Padilla Brown puts on, which sounds amazing. They all they go okay, foraging so Mike, in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mike from uh, Southwest Mushroom Farms was supposed to be there. That's why I was kind of like, ah, like yeah. We all joke and call him the Rob Ross of mushrooms, right? Yeah, that guy, his video quality is incredible. I've, I've I know, really been right? impressed like, with what he puts out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. I love it, man. No, I sit there, I, even my buddy that owns, I, I got a good friend of mine owns a, a big treatment center here. And uh, he's he's been a big inspiration, man. Like, you know, like the guy opened up a recovery house. That's now one of the biggest ones. It's called the Last Door Recovery Society. Mm. And it's like Vancouver's premier, you know, drug addictions rehab. And it's all from heart, man. Like he, you know, when he talks about his stories, like I met him when I got out of jail 25 years ago and stayed at the halfway house. Right. And yeah. I'm like, you know, these crazy, scary biker dudes and I'm scared shitless, like 26 years old going, Oh my God. But you know, they have this huge, they like, he's built a business on saving lives and doing the best thing he could. And he helped save my life. And you know, there's a farm they have called uh, keystone farms and mission. And it's just gorgeous, dude. They literally like, you know, the society's just exploded. But he said there's those 10 years, 10 years of growing pains, mm-hmm. 10 years of blood, sweat and tears. He said he didn't pick a paycheck for three years. And now mm-hmm. I know what he's talking about. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. I know. It. I totally know what he's talking about. I haven't taken a paycheck yet at all. Yeah. yeah. And, and everything's back into this business. And but, you know, when I see those guys that have made it and, I'm, you know, listening to you and, and thanks for having me on the podcast, 100 percent, man, like. I'm really new to the whole community. So I'm really honored that you got me on here. And, um, you know, but I've been, I've pushed through a lot and I've been so busy. The idea of like, one thing for me is like the social media thing has just had to be a back burner. You know, I tried it. I had no time Mm -hmm. for it. And I just, for, I've been so busy because I'm a single dad, three kids too, man. Like I'm, when I'm not at the farm, I got my boys, you know, I'm off, off to hockey. (laughs) Yeah. Right. We're Canadian hockey well you americans do love hockey but yes. you know up here up here it's like football yeah know, well just- actually i would say i much again i'm probably gonna lose listeners over this yeah. i would much <laughs> i'd much rather go to a hockey game than a football game <laughs> oh dude yeah well you know like I, yeah I, I, the only thing about football i i love it i love the enterprise i love the whole thing i am a seahawks fan because i'm from vancouver bc sorry listeners if you're yeah you know you know yep. blah 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 but um, honestly, man, I tell you, uh, the stop and start, like I have ADD, right? So when they stop yeah. every play, I'm like, oh, I'm off to the bathroom or something, or I got to call, you know? But yeah, uh, yeah, that's funny. But yeah, man, I mean, it's just like I said, I'm, I'm coming out in the community and we're really just starting to build our branding. And, and the cool thing, like I said, is, you know, sticking true to it. You know, if they build it, if you build it, they will come. And, and uh, but no, like to go back to my friend, David Darren, who built this big business, he, he, I showed him, I showed him, uh, you know, uh, Southwest Mushrooms video. And he's like, wow. You know, he's like, wow, what production, like that guy knows what he's doing. And, and, and then he told me, don't give up. You know, he's hmm. like, I, there was, I had a moment, no, seriously, man, like the boiler broke, my partner quit, broke a bunch of gear, flipped out. And, um, I'm sitting there just like, I don't, I'm, I'm want to quit. I want to, I'm done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And that was about, I'd say that last Christmas when the big freeze hit Vancouver and it broke all the pipes on this boiler and uh, my, my partner was supposed to winterize it. And, you know, one of the things that's hardest about doing a setup and, and a beginning was, is taking responsibility. Right. And there's a, I can only do so much at the same time, like winterizing your equipment, always mm. think about three months ahead when you're yeah. building stuff, you know, yeah. like right now, the new farm, we're already the contractors here. We're sealing up the building. I got the furnace getting installed today. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because by yeah. the time November comes, you know as well as I do, man. When that, yeah. when that yeah. winter comes, you're like, so, oh, oh, bro. Yeah, that yeah. is key. We now yeah, on the farm have a we call it the the yearly calendar. We actually plan. There's like a five step planning process we go through on the farm. Um, but we nice. have what we call the yearly plan, which is literally. Yeah. Uh, broken up into quarters, but it's literally the entire year. And we have listed for every single month, kind of like the key tasks. And winterization is something that that we do put on there because it is so important. I have screwed up. Well, I mean, it sucks to do a boiler. The worst part, actually, I think it sucks more to have to dig up the same frost rehydrant four times in a row because you forgot four times in a row to winterize it. Yeah, right. Yeah. That yeah. boiler sounds far more expensive, but I probably expended a lot more calories digging that thing up. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. What is yeah. your What is your favorite tool on the farm? My favorite tool on the farm. Oh man. Well, it, it's it's a tough one. You know, I think our favorite is the bagger we got. We got a how we mix our substrate. Mm, like we okay, are shaved. Yeah. We, we, okay. So what we did with our farm, like I haven't done any real videos. I did a couple on YouTube. They're, they're terrible. I can't stand them, but they're there. So if any listeners want to check out MYCA farms on YouTube, there's me doing a grow bag demo. And then I guess that my video production guy is kind of cool. They're great, but we're, I don't like looking at myself on camera at all. Like mm. I just, I haven't even really watched the videos, but um one of my favorite tools is we bought a bagger from some pot growers and what it does is it's, it literally has a hopper and a footstool. So you, you, you throw in your, you're throwing your sub, right. And it just sits there and mixes it with the paddles, but then you step your foot down on this, on the trigger and then it, it spits it out a hopper at the top. It's a, it's an amazing bag machine. It was actually designed to use cocoa core to do cannabis pots. And uh, yeah, it's a great mixer amazing mixer and that's probably the best piece of equipment we've done like one guy can do make and prep at least a thousand bags in a day easily if mm. he if he's on it right yeah and it's you know we do the we do the four four bags of canawick to one bag of the soy husk uh or sorry three and three sorry the soy meal is the one bag of soy meal the four bags of the canawick but we do a 50 mm-hmm. 50 masters mix and you just and it, and it actually has the it adds the water by itself and it does the whole nine yards it's automated so that's probably my favorite piece Cause I was sitting there doing the scoop scoop and the fold. Right. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. When Tim came on, he found this thing. I was like, wow, where'd you find it? We paid crazy money for it. It was not cheap. It was like, a, I think it was 15 grand at the beginning. Because, wow. But you know what, man, like when you see this thing in action and how many bags mm. it can make for you, it's going to pay for itself right away. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah. what we've done and what I would suggest with anybody is if you can, and you have the funds, like I, you know, I've dug into some of my own equity to do this and um, we've bought rolling racks. Mm-hmm. We've got, you know, we've kind of Cadillac this place. So that way when a bag leaves here on the rack, it stays on the rack till it's finished. And that's from watching like Mossy Creek and, yep. you know, some yep. of your, your educational stuff. Like we're very much, I, I ordered a bunch of stuff from Mossy Creek not long ago. I'm trying out his strains, really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Um, I think Brian Callow, shout out to What the Fungus for sure. They've got great, like Brian's got some really great cultures. Uh, stays up on it um i even got a, a lion's mane from southwest mushroom farms and then i got two more coming in from north spore and i love sharing cultures with everybody so that's another favorite part with me it's just the unity with growers like i, mm-hmm. I don't feel any you know what i mean like we're we're all in business together and there's more than enough gourmet mushrooms and and consumers for it, especially in vancouver right like we've got um if you're familiar with vancouver we have uh richmond which is now 55 percent um pretty much brand new asians 
And so mushrooms here, like you go to the average like TNT supermarket, which is a Chinese supermarket, mm. you'll see about eight different mushroom varieties there, as opposed to like, you know, the traditional Safeway or, you know, like, I guess you guys would talk about like Loblaws or something. Mm-hmm. And you'd have maybe three mushroom selections. So I, I find that people are getting more educated as they're going. But in Vancouver, we have a whole, like we're to China and Southeast Asia, we're like New York to the Irish and the Scottish and the, and the English, right? And the French. So, so Vancouver's population is 50% uh, Asian now. And it's a great culture. I love it. Like I live here, man. You can go to like traditional Chinese to like authentic uh, East Indian. Like it's, I love our multicultural province, man. It's pretty crazy. Our city's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so as far That's as market awesome. goes, as far as market goes, like right now, I swear, if I could get fresh market lines made from you, I would broker it and sell it today. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, yes. like how many pounds can you send me right now, Mike? Cause I've got yeah. sold. Yeah. yeah. Like straight up. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. I, I actually think, you know, this is interesting. I actually think lion's mane is an easier mushroom to grow. I mean, at least for me than yeah. some of the, um, some of the oysters. Right. Okay. Right. Um, right. We just, and I don't know, in our grow room, it just seems like it's more of a consistent, it's more consistent. I mean, we put them in and we buy clockwork. It's not as uniform. And when they come off, like that typically mm. some of them will come a little bit later than others, the fruit, yeah. fruitos uniformly, but just yeah. for the yield poundage we get off them. I just feel nice. like we get, that's just nice. for us. And I don't know why it is. It's maybe it's different about our setup or the strain we're using, but it just seems a lot more consistent. Cool, man. Well, what, um, what, what, what culture are you getting? What are you using down there? So actually, we actually work with the American Mushroom and Spice Company out of Indiana for our bags. So we don't do any bag production. So it's just whatever oh. he's using. So See? Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Like crazy. Like we, we can't find it. I haven't found anyone that does uh, like any yeah. major corpse that are doing big grain yeah. for Lion's Mane. Like I haven't found one yet. There's one guy that wants me to try his bag. So I'm going to go with that. Yeah. Um, from Monarch Mushrooms, Ryan, but uh, yeah, man, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. Cause it, that's, that would be a great, um, something we're actually considering my partner, Tim and I are looking into getting our, our, our pre-made grain spawn from someone. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause that just takes out one more component, right? Like I've got the market now I've established some sales. So how can we make this a little bit more effective for us and put our, you know, put me working on the business as opposed to into it. Right. And, I, and that's, uh, you know, definitely something we're considering too, but I don't think yeah. I can ship. I don't think I can get fresh grain spawn shipped from the States. I, it's, I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. There's a, there's a lot of rules and regs. We've actually done some research as we're trying to look at, you know, shipping product across borders and how challenging it is, but um, yeah, right. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a crapshoot sometimes. I think to kind of figure out what can go and what can't, and 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 sometimes you I've seen people ship stuff and just not label it correctly, and yeah, there's all yeah. sorts of you know about that. But um, yeah, 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 yeah. I think it's a, a numbers game at that point. I did get some seeds from Europe, and okay, <laughs> oh. an, well. Oh. I didn't get some seeds from Europe. I got an empty package from the border <laughs> saying, Hey, uh, there were seeds in here. We threw them away and we sent you the package. Yeah, um, oh my God. Yeah. 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 So um, anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Well, here's, you know, I want to hear something funny too. Okay. So this is what, this is what blew me away. Cause in Vancouver, we have a direct, we have a direct pulse to Asian, Asian, uh, like uh, if you've ever heard of Satrise industries, like some of the biggest South Pacific mm-hmm. Asian mushroom farms on the planet. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we were looking on um, uh, Alibaba to buy some equipment. So Tim was doing that. And then all of a sudden, he had a little small pack by air from China Post show up of 
and it says yellow spores. That's all it says, yellow spores. Okay. And, and so we got spores by air and he didn't even order them. Like literally shopping on their website, we ended up with yellow. I haven't even opened the package yet. I don't even, I don't know if I want to, bro. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, it may be like, you know, it might be. Uh... <laughs> I, I saved it. I'm like, it's literally Air China, untracked. And it's yellow. It says in here, yellow, yellow spore. Yeah. Yeah. And it was sent to his house. Yeah. I might microwave that and then turn it into authorities. <laughs> <laughs> I said, just talking about shipping and stuff is kind of funny hey let's just oh, but yeah. i got yeah i got cultures across like so uh mossy creek i got their 17 pack of like the ritter the turtle song like all their all their strains and their lines man i got it up into canada no problem like the culture seemed to get through mm-hmm. um and the agar plate per- preferably i like to buy plates right i always like plates that's that's what i like mm. but um yeah so it's kind of cool like uh, trying everyone's cultures and I'm having some fun with the Mossy Creek oysters. We're doing pretty good. Like our oysters are coming out huge. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah. And then we, and then we have a BC wild strain. I, I definitely, if you want one, I'll, I'll send you a plate. Oh, it's called the mother of Pearl. And you mentioned that one. earlier. Yeah. Yeah, man. So mother of Pearl is a white, beautiful white BC wild oyster. It came from Summerland. It was actually, and, and uh, Brian Callow had it. Yep. And so it's been going around and I know Mossy Creek has a mother of pearl as well, but our, this culture I have, is just gorgeous and it comes out huge and they're mm-hmm. one of my most aggressive ones. So I'm going to sporulate it and bring it back to spore um, mm-hmm. this, this year. And I'm going to, you know, start with a fresh culture and uh, yeah, just keep, keep, keep it in the family, man. I love it. And our chefs just, that's the one that Nello's restaurant puts on their uh, showcase, uh, you know, vegetarian uh, yeah. mushroom appetizer. Right. So Very yeah, cool. that's cool. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, so it's been, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on the podcast today, Brian. Um, yeah, thank you. So much fun to have you here. You talk about in the startup phase, you know, where you are right now, kind of like the challenges and the successes along the way. Um, and it's really cool to hear your story too, you know, coming from the background of addiction and moving forward. Um, you know, a final a question, what was it, when do you feel like was the time that you said, I'm done with this and I want to, you know, take my life in a different direction? Oh, buddy, that's when I was in handcuffs sitting in prison. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, I wasn't arrested, Mike. I wasn't arrested. I was a rescued, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I got in, like, yeah, the 90s were crazy for me, man. Like, I had booze cans and after hours, and I was, I was, uh, I had, like, eight grow shows going on in downtown, you know, in Vancouver and running around like a lunatic dude. And, and you know, I picked up a crazy habit with, uh, you know, cocaine and heroin and, I just, you know, being like, you know, my first apartment was literally downtown skids. Like I, I grew up working in bars and cafes and, and, and partying in art galleries. I was a city kid in five punk bands kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, addiction was just, the drugs just made sense at that point. Right? Like you're look at how you're living, but you know, I changed my life when I was around 20, 26 and I was doing the revolving door in prison and I could not shake it. Like quitting, quitting opiates, man, for me, it was like, stop breathing you know you just couldn't do it and it was the hardest thing i ever faced and i'll never forget my last hit was like 99 and um this cop's like you know i I was you know loading up the pipe and stuff and this cop walked up and i just said i had i said hey man i got warrants can you just take me away i literally was like i want to go to jail now i'm not going to give you my fake id and i just want to go to jail part of my language but i just want to go to jail and 
And mm-hmm. so they, they locked me in and I just surrendered, dude. And after that, it was all about who I put in my life, right? Like mm. for anyone struggling with addictions, I would happily talk to them because that's what I do. And I still volunteer and I, I, I love volunteering, uh, you know, with people in recovery and, you know, Vancouver, BC has got one of the biggest recovery days in North America. There's like 6,000 people this year. We had cheap trick play or no, sorry. It was Tom Cochran. And then we had like uh, snotty nose red kids and, Next year, we're going to actually be doing a vendor booth there with our mushrooms mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, selling mushroom burgers. <laughs> so so I want to be part of that community. But for me to know I was done, man, I had to literally be like it was intervention. And then mm-hmm. I made the right choice because there are some great people that stepped up and volunteered in my life that I hold dear to my heart to this day, you know, forever mm-hmm. grateful. Right. And so, yeah, it's been a long journey, man. And um, working in addictions, I never thought I'd be a mushroom farmer. <laughs> you know? yeah 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 yeah. you know 10 years ago i was working at you know for the government job and the, you know i had my degree and i was working my ass off and and then yeah i'm just gonna grow mushrooms why not so here i am mm-hmm. next venture so yeah. that's it, man. <laughs> well brian again thank you so much for coming on today can't wait to share this with our audience and appreciate yeah, your time thank you, man. thank you so much mike and I lo- i'm glad to meet you man i'm really glad to meet you and i look forward to you know collaborating or anything you need man like let me know and I'll be mm-hmm. definitely checking out and promoting these courses now, uh, uh, you know, getting involved in it. So that's, uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. Awesome. This episode is sponsored by Rimmel Greenhouse Systems, makers of quality greenhouse structures. Whether you're just getting started or buying your 10th tunnel, Rimmel has a structure to fit your needs. I purchased and grown in Rimmel houses and would recommend them to everyone. So there you have it. Another episode in the books. So I'd love if you would hop on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. Those mean everything to us. We love to hear what you're thinking. If you have a podcast guest that you can recommend, please pop on over to the Thriving Farmer podcast website and leave us a review. That's thrivingfarmerpodcast.com.